0: Thank you very much. Um, i got your name. I'm, I lose everything when I'm here. Karen. Thank you, Karen. Um, well, this is a nice group this morning. I went to a beautiful meeting this morning. It was a great meeting. Thank you very much, Cindy. This one here. I went to a beautiful meeting this morning. It was on, Spir- on spiritual awakening. And, uh, Cindy. chaired the meeting. Uh, 73. I'm sorry. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Uh, my name is Bernadette. And I'm a very grateful member of the Worldwide Fellowship of Al-Anon and Alateen Family Groups. <laughs> hi, hi. And it's wonderful, wonderful to be here. I, um, I want to thank um, the committee for inviting uh, my husband Bill and I to share our experience, strength, and hope at the 43rd, 42nd uh, Kentucky Convention. I also want to thank you for the beautiful basket we have in our room. I love all those goodies. Wrong one. <laughs> okay. Excuse me. Okay. okay, okay, okay. Once I spoke without a mic. A lots of times I speak without a microphone. And one, we were at Aiken, South Carolina, and I said something, and I was so happy there wasn't a microphone. It really <laughs> wasn't a good thing to say. <laughs> I don't remember what I said, but I remember I was glad it wasn't taped. Uh, I'm going to start off with a joke. I only have one joke I've told for years, and uh, I haven't gotten another one. Uh, I, I don't know if Les is here, but he gave me a couple, but they didn't, didn't fit the occasion or any occasion as far as I was concerned. <laughs> here, anyway, here at Al-Anon, at Al-Anon. Where's Les? I don't know to offend him. <laughs> anyway, um, this woman goes to a doctor and says to the doctor, I'm a wigwam. I'm a teepee. I'm a wigwam. I'm a teepee. I'm a wigwam. I'm a teepee. And the psychiatrist stops her and says, I know what your problem is. She says, what's that? You're too tense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they got it. They got it. <laughs> Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> um, I want to thank Jessie. I don't know if it's Jesse here. She was wonderful last night. I want to thank Linda, who I had met before. She was wonderful last night. And um, and Anna, thank you. I think these Al- teens are so brave to get up here and talk. Um, at their age, I don't know if I would have been able to do anything like that. Not that I grew up in a house with alcoholism. I did not. Um I was, uh, my mother had 16 births, uh, and then uh, four of the boys died, and I was her, then when I was born, there were 12 of us left, uh, 11 girls and one boy, Uh, he was a wonderful, wonderful brother, he really was, he was a good brother, he was, he was, and he ironed shirts and shared in all the housework, he didn't, you know. He wasn't treated any, any special. We all did, but they always thought, they always said he wasn't treated special, but he was special. And, um, I, you know, I, I uh, was born in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, I love New York. I will always be a New and no matter where I live. Uh, it's my home. And But I love South Carolina. You know, when I go somewhere, the, and I've moved a lot. We've lived in Nashville. We've lived in Ohio. We've lived in upstate New York, Long Island, New York. We've moved a lot of places. Um, not 13 places in 16 years, but I think we've moved almost 25 times or something like that, uh, all told. We have nine children. And, um, but let's go back to my teenage years. Let's go back before that. Um, my father died when I was eight. And to me, that was one of the worst things that could have happened to a little girl. Uh, I loved him very much. He was a good father. And uh, we went for a ride on a Sunday, and uh, he was having a little problem. He was having a little pain. And we came back, and they took him out in a stretch, and it was the last time I saw him. And um, I, I always resented that. And then when I had girls, and Bill would uh, do things with the girls, I would get this twinge of jealousy in my chest, you know. And I didn't understand what it was, really. But it was because I did not go up with the daddy to help me and perhaps keep me safe from some things that I would have liked to have been safe from. But my mother was wonderful. She's been a moving force. She was a moving force in my life. She truly was. She was a wonderful woman. She was about, uh, not quite five feet. And uh, very spiritual, very religious, very. And we uh, were in church all the time. I am not a recovering Catholic. I am a Roman Catholic, and I'm happy to be one. And I believe Al-Anon has brought me, as I heard somebody say this morning, closer to, to whatever faith, by faith. But uh, al has taught me a, a, spirit, a, a feeling of spirituality that I had never felt before anywhere, and no matter where I went. So anyway, I went on after I... Uh, I don't remember too much from my 8th to my 14th birthday. And why I say my 14th birthday is I think that's when boys came into my life and somehow I had an awakening then. I wouldn't say it was spiritual. I would not say it was spiritual, but it was an awakening. And uh, anyway, um, I went to uh, the Junior eight of the Sisters of St. Joseph and I was going to be a Catholic nun. And um, when I was a, a junior... Uh, they found out I liked boys too much and was going out on weekends and stuff like that, so they, I decided to leave and, uh, and went to St. Agnes's Academy where I had 52 classmates and I went to a prom and, you know, had normal things that go on in, in, in teenage years. Again, my mother wasn't always a moving force in my life. I thought she never slept. She never slept. She sewed our clothes. She washed our clothes by hands. She cooked. She did everything. And I was sure she never slept. Well, now I realize that my children have told me they never thought I slept either, you know. <laughs> but I did. I certainly got a lot more sleep than my mother. And um, so I had wonderful teenage years. Grew up, had a great time. Lived in Richmond Hill, Queens. That's in Queens, New York, which is one of the you know one of the uh, counties. New York has five counties: Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Manhattan, and the Bronx. Who's ever from the Bronx is very proud of being from the Bronx <laughs> and um, I was about twenty. I had a, a niece that was about my age, and um, we were not bar we didn't go to bars and things like that. we really went, still went to ice cream Paul as at twenty but I mean but we decided we wanted to go go to a dance and dance one Saturday night so we spent uh, three hours in an ice cream parlor, Carps, I remember the name of it was, getting up enough nerve to go down to this place called Gallagher's where we would walk through the bar and go to the back where they was dancing. Well, we did. We finally went. My niece's name was Geraldine. She's gone now, too. A lot of people look gone in my life. That's what happens when you're 73. You outlive a lot of people. <laughs> um, but I do miss a lot of them. But... Um, So we went there, and uh, we sat at a table. She knew somebody. We sat down, and... all of a sudden, this, this, well, she, she knew somebody. So, anyway, this guy comes in, and he was tall, he was dark, he was handsome, and he had a way. You know how John Wayne, his shoulders sort of walk? I don't know. But anyway, he had this great walk, and uh, he came over to the table, and he said, Look, I'm a free man. I'm engaged. Oh, I forgot to tell you. He said, I've, I'm not engaged anymore. I just broke my engagement. He was telling his friends, Let me go back a little bit. That Wednesday before, I had just broken my engagement. I worked for the First National City Bank, and that Wednesday, had just broken my engagement to this young man who had come back from the service. I wouldn't break my engagement before because I didn't want to write him a Dear John letter. So I said to my mother, here is my ring. I'm going to date. I just want you to know. I don't want to lie to you. And um, um, so anyway, so Saturday here I am at this place and this guy comes in and he says, I really feel like dancing and he's looking at me and my niece Geraldine and he's saying, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. I won. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but I, I did. I did. He worked for the old, the old New York Journal-American. He worked there for a long time, and um, and uh, he was a reporter. And he was tall, and he he had a powder blue Chevy, 1955 Chevy convertible, <laughs> and uh, he was just charming. It was one. But I found that a lot of alcoholics are charming. You know, they're probably the most interesting people I ever meet. You know, <laughs> and um, but anyway, I did not realize that he had a drinking problem. I drank as much as he did when we went out. Oh, I thought. I didn't realize that he was going to the bar uh, in, to the, in between. He would disappear a lot, but I never gave that much thought. And, um matter of fact, the first time that night, we were in New York City, went to a Chinese restaurant, and he asked me for a quarter to go over the bridge. I mean, that was sort of strange. I would go through the tunnel, one of the things. That was just sort of interesting. <laughs> and... Um, you know, I never had alcoholism in my home. Um, we're from Italian heritage. And, uh, you know, my mother would bring out a bottle my, when I met my dad was around of, of uh, some Italian uh, aniseed or something. And if somebody special was coming, they would bring out something. If we had a party, maybe Uncle John fell up the stairs, you know, and different things like that happened. But I, I don't recall, I mean, I'm not saying there were no arguments and problems, but I don't, I don't there was no alcoholism as far as I knew. So I had no idea <clears throat> what was going on. So Bill and I knew each other three and a half weeks. We went out every night, and that was that was interesting. My mother would never let it, I mean, I was 20, but, you know, uh, she would never let anybody go out every night. I mean, you had to do your cleaning, and you had one this night and that night and another night. But she let me see him every night. Three and a half weeks later, um, we were out at a... a uh, A christening, a christening, and a lot at his family, and a lot of drinking was going on. His mother refused to be introduced to me. His father was a doll. I found out later he was an alcoholic, and uh, but he kept coming over and saying, "How was I?" But anyway, we left that party. And we stopped stopping at different places. Bill had to see friends at this bar and that bar and another bar. And I went and so fell asleep in the car, and he was visiting whoever he was. And he would come out. And finally he came over, and it's about 4 o'clock. And he said, I think I should take you home. And I said, I don't want to go home. He said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to stay with you. He said, let's get married. I said, okay. <laughs> so so, so uh, we left uh, where we were in Queens, and we went to Manhattan. Because we had a call, what they called it, the shack, where the reported, stayed, you know, and typed and did all those wonderful things and telephones. And he had to get his paycheck. I should have known something was wrong right then, that he had no money. <laughs> and then he had to get this paycheck. So we went and we got a paycheck. I mean, we went to mass, we went to church, mass, we went to communion, and then we eloped. <laughs> and we... <laughs> We sent telegrams to his mom and dad and to my mother. And if there's anything I regret in my life, the only thing I regret about this whole thing is hurting my mother. I hurt her terribly. And it was a tremendous disappointment to her. And But she was she was a gem. His mother wanted to serve us tea in between yelling at us when we came home. And mm, I didn't have any tea that day. And, uh, and we saw my mother, and all she kept saying is, But why? But why? I would have rather she slapped my face or beat me up, but... This lady, little lady was such a such a lady. She was not like Lois Wilson. Such a lady, such a lady. And um, but anyway, she decided she would give us a nice wedding, ask us yes, just to live apart until so we got married in church, and we agreed to that. Bill's mother wouldn't let me stay home, but I stayed home because we were having the party at our house, and I had to clean. If we were having a party, <laughs> you got to clean. You know? So um, my brother and Bill and I and my mother, my, my brother uh, Anthony and Bill and my mom and I went over to see Bill's mother and father to invite them to the wedding. Well, we went there, and his mother said, "I can't make it." My mother said, "I haven't given you the date." She said, "I can't make it anyway." <laughs> so my mother said, "They will wait." <laughs> so she gave in, and we got married. 10 to, we got married March seventeenth, nineteen fifty-five. Not sixteenth in, in uh, Elton, Maryland. And then we got married in church on the 27th of March. We've been married uh, 52 years, a little over 52 years. And uh, I say we have nine children. I think having... Thank you. Thank you. We also have 23 grandchildren. grandchildren so we're pretty busy. I don't know what we're doing in South Carolina. Well, most of them back that way, but that's all right. Maybe it's just as well from the, some of the stories I hear. But... Um, We got married and uh, moved into this furnished apartment, and, uh, you know, I didn't realize the time, but as the years go on, I began to wonder, Bill really did not want to lived near my my family. You know, I realized that because where we lived, where we moved from Richmond Hill to Laurelton, you don't know that area unless you come from that area. But in Laurelton, it's like nowhere. You can't get buses and stuff like that. In Queens, you can I was a city girl. You could get anywhere with buses and trains. So, I would have sort of felt out of it a lot. And after I was uh, we were married a few months, I got pregnant. Of course, I do want to tell you that since we got married in three and a half weeks, you can know how many people were counting on their finger, you know, that I was pregnant and I was not. And um, uh, my Judy was born uh, about seven weeks early. She was premature, and uh, and um, she had to stay in the hospital for five weeks. That was terrible. That's a terrible thing. I think the closest I ever felt to my God is when I had my children. That he would give me and Bill these children to take care of. What a what a responsibility. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved being a mommy, a mother, whatever. I just loved it. I loved it up till they left, you know, and it's hard when they leave, isn't it? <laughs> Karen. It's hard when they leave. But with nine, you know, you've got a lot to go through. When you have one, it's a little harder. <laughs> But uh, we were living in Laurelton, and after a while, my mother got some money together. We, we, um, and I didn't realize Bill was drinking. See, he drank a lot out of the house. He drank in bars. He drank, and I was happy as a lark. I didn't care. I got another job. I wouldn't go back to the bank in New York because it was too far. And so I got a job near where I lived. And my mother said to me once, you know, I think maybe you ought to stay home. Do you know that Bill is gambling and drinking? He met my brother-in-law's a lot of Italian brother-in-laws, and they loved him. He drank, and he gambled, and he played cards, and they just loved him. They really did. They really fell together. It was beautiful. And so she said, I think maybe you ought to stay home. You know, Bill's, Bill's going out a lot and drinking. And I said, no, nah, no, nah, he's not really doing that. But if you're going to talk about my husband that way, I don't ever want you in my house again. What a terrible thing. What a terrible thing uh, to say to a mother. And she was a wonderful mother. But any mother, you know, (laughs) is deserving of someone's respect just because they're your mother, I believe. Just because they're your mother and gave birth to you. And your father who gave you life. (laughs) But um, anyway, um, we moved. Aside from this, she did uh, get some money together, and we were able to buy a two-family house. And that was really nice. We had Judy. I left her in the hospital for five weeks. That was awful. I always felt like I owed owed her five more weeks. She's very healthy. All our kids and grandchildren are all healthy and strong. How, how blessed we are, how blessed we are. And um, so um, we had Judy, and then we moved into this two-family house. Bill was paying, uh, we were getting $95 rent, and, um, and our mortgage payment was $75. The houses then were not very expensive by today's standards. And Bill couldn't keep up the payments, and I really didn't know what was going on. I had no idea where all the money was going, because if I got anything, it all went to Bill. He would take care of it. He was my hero. He was my Prince Charming. He was going to take care of me for the rest of my life. I didn't want a whole lot. I really didn't want a whole lot. I just wanted a little family and a little house and a little yard. You know, that's all. And I love this two-family house. It was great. It was down the street from two of my sisters. That was nice. It was in Floral Park, Queens. And, um, and we would get together every now and play canasta when the kids were all sleeping. We'd bring them. to get our work done and so we could get together and play canasta in the afternoon. And, um, and after a while, Bill said, you know, maybe we ought to sell this house. Now, Bill was not home a lot. He worked nights. I think he worked from 9, 12 to 9, or uh, could have been 10 to 9, 9 to 9. I really never knew when Bill worked. I never really knew <laughs> the hours he worked, you know, because I never knew when he was coming home. I never knew when he was coming home. So, so he said to me, I really think we ought to sell this house and pay off all our bills. Now, that was the bills I knew about. I learned that from here, when he was talking from a podium. Uh, he, he said uh, that the... Uh, that, um, He paid the bills I knew about, and we moved out to Deerport Park, Long Island, which was the end, really the end of nowhere. It was way out on Long Island, and um, I had no, I had hardly any, no car. I had no money except what he gave me. I had, well, actually, I had Charlotte in between there. Wait, I had a couple of kids there. I had Charlotte, and then we moved to Deer Park, and I had my son Bill. And then I had, uh, and Deer Park, we were there just a year, but then I had my son, Larry. And um, Larry, But Bill was very sickly, and he had a lot of rashes, my son. And, um, and then Larry was born, and he was like uh, um, yellow when you were, uh, right, right. What was that? I missed it. Thank you. Thank you but he's fine. They are all fine now. But at that time, it was a very difficult thing because I didn't have a car. I didn't have money. I couldn't pay the doctors. I didn't know what to do. I don't at that time, I didn't even know if we had health insurance. I don't, it wasn't such an important thing at that time. So I would go to a doctor and not be able to pay them. Our son Billy had a lot of rashes and, and, and um, allergies. And uh, so I'd go to a doctor and then couldn't pay them, and so I'd go to another doctor, and then I couldn't pay them, and then I'd go to another doctor, which was not too good for the child, but, um, and after about a year, Bill says to me, you know what, I think it would be a wonderful idea if we sold this house, and ask your mother if we could move into her basement, which is a basement I played in, you know, so it really didn't offend me that we were going to be going there. First of all, I was tickled to death, I was going to be near my mother, and, um And so he said, let's do that. We'll do that. We'll take the money we get from this house. We'll put it in the bank. What trust I had. I truly believed in. We'll put it in the bank, and you and your mother will go look for a house, and we'll live near your mother. And I thought, wow, isn't that neat, you know? Uh, When Bill came into the program, he came up here one night, uh, spoke at a podium, and said, we lost that house. So there was no $25,000. There was nothing. There was nothing. Where was my head? Where was I that I would put so much trust in somebody and not not uh, take it upon myself to save or put money? Well, there was nothing to save. I never, I don't know. <laughs> it just wasn't there. I don't know where I would have taken it from. But, you know, I, I just didn't have the sense of mind. I knew he was going to take care of it. He was going to come out of whatever it was, and everything was going to be all right. And he still worked for the New York Journal American. So, uh, And then he got a couple of other jobs. So aside from being gone most of the night, he had been gone half of the day, and I didn't know whether he was drinking or whatever. He often says he wasn't drugging because that wasn't uh, it wasn't that popular at that time. <laughs> And if you didn't have the money, you didn't do that. Um, but I don't know. A lot of money went out the window with, with, uh, with alcohol, you know. Um, I would go. Once in a while, he would invite me to go into the city with him. That's where my mother would babysit if I were going out with my husband. And so he would take me, and he would buy the bar. I'd see these $100 bills flying around, and I thought, where is he getting all this money from, you know? And, oh, that's really my business money. You know, this is important that I do this. So I figured he knew all these people. I didn't realize he didn't know them. He was buying for strangers. So anyway, um, <laughs> um, it got very confusing in my life because I was trying to keep things together. I, and I kept, somebody said to me, for God's sakes, why did you have all these children? I said, Ah, Roman Catholic. What can I tell you? <laughs> Roman Catholic. And uh, and I loved it. As I say, I loved them. I really think God sent me all these kids so I wouldn't get into trouble. I could get into a lot of trouble, I believe. And um, so anyway, uh, we moved into my mother's basement, and the kids were ecstatic. I mean, they loved my mother. I mean, they would go upstairs, and Nanny would cook them this and that and give them... Uh, bread and milk and uh, boiled coffee and you know, all these wonderful things that grandmothers do for kids that would still do. I do for my grandchildren, too. I still do my, for my kids a lot. I mean, they're still like my babies, these kids. I got to let them grow up, even though the oldest is um, 50, 51, whatever, you know. I do. I let them go. But I, I always feel this connection, and that's important to me. And uh, a lot of things have happened over the years with a lot of in-laws and strangers coming into the family, you know, that, that happens. And um, I've had to make my peace with that and realize that they have a right to their own life, whatever that might be, and I don't have a right to interfere with it. And... Um, and while I might ag- not agree with it, well, my mother didn't agree with I did, what I did. So who am I to say anything to my children about doing something right or wrong? You know, everybody has to choose for themselves. And each of them has their own higher power. I have to remember that. I have a higher power I choose to call God, and I feel very comfortable with that. And uh, I must admit that sometimes I've forgotten about God, and figured he wasn't there taking care of me. But I know, I know that he was. I certainly know. When I was little, I had rheumatic fever. I was very sick. Every time I had another baby, my mother was petrified. She was sure something was going to happen with me, but she took such good care of me. I grew up big and strong. So I was fine to have these little babies. And um, so anyway, we lived there, and through a set of circumstances, Bill... Um, you love me not uh, through a set of circumstances, uh, Bill did get into the program. Before that, I would do want to tell you that um, there were a lot of things that were happening to me. I did not realize that alcoholism was the problem. I did not realize Bill was drinking. I was becoming, I'm not very thin now, but I was much heavier then. And, uh, matter of fact, this dress almost didn't fit me. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do if it didn't go on me this morning. So, <laughs> so, so, um, <laughs> um, So, you know, uh, I was eating a lot, and what was I eating? Well, what was I eating? All the things I can't eat now. I was eating macaroni, I was eating oatmeal. You know, when you don't have money, you got to eat potatoes and all those things that fill you up and make sure the kids are happy and and sing with them and all those things. So I was like a, a singing idiot, but it got me through. It got me through. It really did. It really did. You know, I love to sing, and my youngest son, Daniel, said to me, I always and this was a thrill when he said this is I always remember you're always singing in the kitchen always singing in the kitchen you know cuz we love music and we always had music on and that's a wonderful thing when children can remember that the older ones remember a little few a few other things you know like when they spilt milk and uh, since I couldn't take out of my adults in my life, what was bothering me, I would take it out of my children. You spilt milk. That was a major thing. I mean, that was a major thing. You heard about it all day, you know, and uh, I'm not proud of this, but uh, I hit my children. I didn't beat them, but I hit them. And, uh, and I'm ashamed of that. And I say that because uh, somebody else might have to hear that. And, um, and I have forgiven myself when I did my fourth step. I put that in my fourth step because it was a horrible thing to do. I loved them so much, and yet yet I was willing to hurt them. And you know, it's funny, they don't remember a lot of that. They were little. My uh, oldest daughter, Judy, uh, was uh, five when Bill came into the program. So they don't remember a lot of things that happened. So after uh, a while, uh, Bill would stay out a week, weekend, two weeks, Uh, I I didn't know what was going on, I didn't have any money. My mother would always say, oh, I found a couple of extra dollars. She was a sweetheart, she was so sweet. She would never make me feel uncomfortable, but inside I, I really didn't feel too good. There's food in the refrigerator, eat that, you know. The reason I can talk about this now and not be angry at what happened is because I truly believe that alcoholism is a disease. I truly believe it's a disease it 's a terminal illness for the alcoholic. it ter- certainly is, but for me it 's also an illness for the things I would do, the things I did. Uh, we needed money, and I went out and sold a lot of things that I had, so we could have money to buy milk and food for the children you know i don 't remember if we ever, we were paying the rent at the time. I think there were lots of times maybe we didn 't i 'm not sure i don 't want to know anymore. I know enough, so that 's enough. And, um, and I, don't, I didn't ask a lot of questions, because if you ask questions, you're going to get answers. And I was not ready to deal with some of the answers, so I really didn't ask too many questions. Whatever I heard Bill talk from up here was, was fine for me. Um, he would come home at night and uh, sometimes. Um, actually, I'd peek out the window to see if I would go upstairs when I was in the basement, peek out to see if he was coming, and then I would greet him as he came in, and he would get very upset because I didn't trust him. So the next time I would peek, see him coming, hop into bed, and pretend I was asleep. And then he would wake me up because I didn't care about him. Uh, you know. This does sound like alcoholic behavior, doesn't it? <laughs> we would go out to a party. I was a heavy smoker, so was Bill. And uh, uh, fortunately I haven't had one since September 20th, I'm really last year, which is really nice. <laughs> Considering I had open-heart surgery in 1991, I sure no, should not be smoking, that's for sure. I'm grateful to be alive, and to do that is crazy. What's that? Oh, my... oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, so anyway, Bill would come home. We'd come home from a party with the children or alone, and uh, and I had bought two cartons of cigarette, one for him, Lucky Strike, and one for me, Winston or Parliament, whatever it was. I don't know. No, no I hate Parliament. Uh, another one, I don't remember what it was. Doesn't matter. I was very fussy about what I smoked. When I smoked, I would not smoke menthol or uh, there's a certain, uh, whatever kind. But anyway, he said to me, I have to go out and get a pack of cigarettes. And I said, oh, I have a whole carton for you here. And he said, you have no right to buy me cigarettes. (laughs) No right. So, you know, so he took them and threw them down and went out for the whole night, you know. There was another, some of the crazy things I did. I would pull down the shades. I didn't want to talk to the neighbors. I was so ashamed of what was going on. My family, my mother knew what was going on. She never said anything to anybody. But I never talked to too many people about what was going on because I was so ashamed, so ashamed. And, and I'm glad I didn't because if they knew while it was all going on, maybe they wouldn't have forgiven Bill. You know, I've been able to work the program. I have these 12 steps in my life, and I can work the program. I can forgive him. You know, I did forgive him. I have forgiven him. i have slightly having terrible about some things, but... Um, Really, I apologize. I've not been too nice sometimes. <laughs> well, you're going to hear the rest of this this afternoon. Wait till he starts. So, <laughs> but, yeah, I, uh, you know, sometimes I think I got, I was very quiet. I came into Al-Anon. I was very quiet, didn't know too much, came into Al-Anon and learned everything. And so I knew everything about everything, you know. I could <laughs> so I'm trying to keep a balance in my life now. Uh, one time, uh, we were supposed to go out. Our family, my family and his family, we would get together on Saturday nights. It was a big thing. You'd go to a nightclub, and you'd get a couple of bottles, and you drink, and you dance, and It was a lot of fun. And, uh, of course, my brother used to get angry at Bill because the scotch always disappeared. You know, people would share the bottle or whatever, and it would disappear, and he realized that Bill was drinking it, so he would get pretty angry then. But one night, we were supposed to go out and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, he came back and back home, he had been gone all day, been out all night, and he said to me, "Um, I can't go, and I said, if we don't go tonight, I'm going to, if you go out, he said, I'm going out, if you go out, I'm going to drink this bottle, it was a bottle of, uh, I don't know what it was doing there, we didn't usually have booze in the house, but he left, I had five children, and I continued, I drank that bottle, I did, and I know that my higher power kept me safe and kept my little children safe. I mean, that was a miracle that nothing happened to them. The youngest was very little. By this time, we now had John. And, uh, you know, and he was very little. But he was in the crib, I'm sure. And they were happy babies because I sang a lot. (laughs) We sang a lot. And little ones don't know what's going on. They really don't know unless there's a lot of screaming. Uh, our oldest daughter, I don't know if I mentioned it, she remembers um, one time that I threw a table down at Bill, a, 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 a little table, and he threw it back up the steps at me. That's all she really remembers. I think she remembers more about the discipline when she was a teenager. That's what she really remembers more. and Because uh, I guess we were sort of rough disciplinary. Not rough, but caring. It's hard to be a disciplinarian when you've got children. It's so hard. You know, it's so easy to say, "Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, you can do that," you know. But to say no, you know, people would call us to find out if our children were going to parties, so they would know if their children could go. You know, so uh, so I, I was proud of, of that. I was not ashamed of that, and that was a good thing to be. Our kids are all self-supporting. They all take care of themselves. They love each other. They're very close. We don't see each other that much, but they're very close. They're a very close family, and they are with each other and with us too. I mean, they call us. We get a call from most of them almost every week, which is really sweet. If If we don't, probably somebody's out drugging or drinking or something's going on. You know if you don't get a call, something's going on, usually. And um, (laughs) so through a set of circumstances, Bill did get into the program. He got into AA. And um, I really didn't understand what it was all about. He was not working at this time. He was unemployable. And um, we moved. I don't think we moved upstairs yet to my mother's apartment. We were still down in the basement. And um, we, well, my oldest daughter got sick one time, and we took her to the hospital. And Bill coming home, Bill said, let's eat. He ate. He drank. I ate. Eight Rob Roy's he lined up. I never forget Eight Rob Roy's. I've never tasted a Rob Roy, but they look pretty interesting. Huh? I don't like to drink that much and feel it. And he would say to me, that's what you're supposed to do feel it when you drink you know i'd have a glass of wine and I'd say, i don't think i'm gonna have anymore i'm beginning to feel this a little bit you know uh, plus alcoholics can't understand that that's 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 why you drink right to get euphoria so uh we stopped at this chinese restaurant i ate as usual and he drank and uh he asked he told me he was going he thought he was going crazy so i said oh good uh I'll call the doctor tomorrow and see if we can get some help. So I called our family doctor, and I said, My sister's husband thinks he's going crazy. I was so ashamed. I was really ashamed. He thinks he's going crazy. And he said, I know it's your husband. He's just like his father. And tell him to go uh, see so-and-so. So he gave me the name of it, and Bill did. He got there, and that's Bill's story. He'll tell you the rest of that. So Bill started going to Allen AA, uh, went out again to drink after three months. I remember three months he was going, and he brought so many people home for dinner. They were not in AA. They were other people that he thought he could help and bring to AA. And um, and he came home after three months, and he said to me, I'm really glad I went to AA. And I said, really? And he said, I really learned a lot. And I said, what would you learn? He said, if I kept drinking, we could really have problems. <laughs> I mean... You know, I said, okay, Bill. I believed him. I truly believed him. Don't we want to truly believe what they say? We, we want to believe that they mean it. How did I know he was having blackouts? How did I know he was gone? Uh, he would go to somewhere and then wind up in Cuba, you know, I mean, and not know how he got there. One time he came from on these blackouts, and one time he came home and he, and he said to me, don't yell. He was gone a couple of days. Don't yell. Don't yell. I said, what's the problem? He said, I had a heart attack. I said, really? Do you have any, any papers from... And it was in the hospital, he said. I said, do you have any papers to show me? He tells me he left and went back <laughs> and went to the emergency room and asked somebody there for a note for his wife. <laughs> was at the <laughs> and, and they threw him out, and they threw him out. <laughs> you know, the craziness, the craziness. You know, I laugh about it now. I laugh about it now. But if anybody's going through anything now and you're new in the program... I know it's painful. I know it's hard, but if you can remember that it's a disease. It's a disease and they are not really responsible. They don't mean what they're doing. They keep drinking and this is what happens. They go into a blackout. They don't know what's going on. Everybody doesn't do that, but a lot of people do if they drink enough, you know? I remember him saying, "I drink and drink and drink and nothing happens anymore." You know, I can't forget. And that scared me. That really scared me. Anyway, uh, Bill went back out again, and uh, I continued living at my mother's house, and that was fine. And um, I thought he was going to work, but he wasn't. He was just going out. And um, one time he said to me, he asked me to press his suit. And I went to press his suit, and I found $300 in his pocket. I thought, wow wow we'll pay bills we'll do all this stuff so I went down this is before Al-Anon remember I went down and said to him look what I found $300 in your suit pocket oh he said that's not mine that's not mine that belongs to clients and I handed it right over to him right I would not do that now I would not do that now. (laughs) but uh, you know I I did not realize alcoholism was a disease I did not realize this was back in 1961 and remember, uh, it was Alanon was just ten years old in 1961. And by the way, congratulations, Alateen, how wonderful, 50 years! And um, AA was only started in 1935, so you didn't have the spots on the radio and on television, and uh, you know, in church bulletins and all that. It didn't happen. You didn't have that. So anyway, um, after three months, Bill went out, and and then. Um, and I didn't know what was going on, but I just did what I had to do, you know. I just did what I had to do. When you have five kids and they're all little and they're under five or under six, you know, you you got to do what you've got to do. That's it. And uh, at this point in time, you know, I had always been, uh, I thought, a religious person. I really enjoyed my faith. I really did. And, uh, but I would leave and go to church. I'd take the car, and I would just drive around. I was so disgusted with me, with, with life, you know. And truly my only joy came from taking care of my little children, you know. Why didn't I think of going out to get a job? Well, what was I going to do with five children at that time? Uh, welfare wasn't as, you know, you know, I saw the little bit my mother got when my dad died. I think she got $18 for her a month, and she got $11 for me a month, and for anybody under 18. And when she was 60, when I was 20, uh, sixty when she was 65, that stopped coming to her. So, uh, Or unless she was 60. I don't know. Something happens. At one time, it stops coming. When I was 18, I guess. I don't know. At that, that time. So there was really not much I could do. So I went to see my family priest who married us. And I said, I don't know what to do when he's drinking. And I was going to tell you what to do. I talked to him for a long time. And he said, take $50. Who had $50? Take $50. Go get a dress. Go get your hair done. And just go out and have a good time. And I thought, where is he coming from, you know? Oh, he must have more. That's they never told me about planned birth control. You know, I mean, you know, with with, within the Catholic Church. You know, I never learned that. Anyway, I'm glad I had all my nine children. I Angela, my youngest, often says to me, "What would I have done? I wouldn't be here. I'd be up there waiting. I'd still be waiting to come down." So anyway, um, so he did this, and then um, somehow he got back into the program. And when he got into the program, something began to happen to Bill. I didn't know what it was, but something began to happen. And um, it was really exciting, really exciting. And... uh, he would bring guys home. They would pick him up every night, and he'd bring guys home because I, he could. He would come home, and they'd sit and have coffee, and they'd, I'd bake cakes, and they would talk, and I'd hear all about AA and the steps and the slogans and the tradition and the higher power and how these two men got together. You know, And Bill, uh, w, Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, they were really just people just like us. Weren't well, they greatly inspired by my higher power, God, to start this program? And that's why we're all sitting here today. You know, I mean, they were just ordinary people. And uh, boy, they gave their life to it. And Lois gave her life to it. When, when she decided that she would now relax in her home up in Stepping Stones, up in Bedford Hills, New York, and she was asked to, by her husband, to perhaps organize Al-Anon, she really wanted to do gardening. She really wanted to do gardening. But she had a lot of work to do, and she did it. And that's why we're here. And that's why service is so important. That's why going to meetings is so important. That's why living the 12 steps is so important. That's why the traditions are very important to me. Very important. I see them being broken here and there and little by little, even at world world service, which blows my mind. But anyway, um, you know, I believe in the traditions. I truly do. And I try to use the steps and the slogans in all of my life, and I'm uh, learning more and more about the concepts. Having had nine children, I really didn't have that much time when they were younger to do a lot of things except go to meetings. I went to, uh, when Bill was sober three months, I said to his sponsor, well, before that, I said, when can I go and hear what's going on and get some of this good stuff, you know? And he said, well, wait till he invites you to a meeting. And finally, he and Bill invited me to a meeting, and it was there I was to meet my first sponsor and uh it was bill's sponsor's wife his sponsor was uh ben michelson and, and uh, the, she's gone and he's gone and this was hattie and she was she was great she loved to be called a tough jewish broad and she was tough she didn't feel sorry for me at all you have nine kids eight kids, five, whatever I had at that time, uh, just take care of them. Do what you got to do. Nobody else is going to do it for you. You've got to cook for them. You've got to clean. You've got to do the diapers. You've got to wash the floor. Nobody's going to do this. And I said, well, I keep saying let go and let God. He, she said, God is not going to wash that floor. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really, really not what it meant, you know. <laughs> But when we're new in Al-Anon, we take things, you know. But they don't. we don't give advice, and thank God. I sure don't want to be responsible for anybody making any decisions about anything. I mean, that's just beyond me, really. So she said, I have a place for you to go. And I said, where's that? And she said, it's Al-Anon. Bill will come to AA, and you'll go to Al-Anon, and then you will go to open AA meetings with Bill. You will learn about the disease of alcoholism. She was a wonderful lady. Of course, after a while, she stopped coming, and I couldn't understand why. I really couldn't. And she uh, died not being a member not being a member of Al-Anon, and that was very sad, very sad. Uh, maybe there were some changes that happened within the program. I, I don't know what it was, but it was very sad that she left. So I came to my first Al-Anon meeting. There was one Al-Anon meeting every other week in the town. Every other week. I mean, that's like nothing compared to what we have now. It's just wonderful what we have now. And, um, and I started going. And it came my turn after a few months to make a cake. Now, I never made a cake at home or to take somewhere else where I wouldn't make money. You don't have children and not make a cake. I mean, they have to have a cake to eat. But Bill didn't know that. So we came home. Uh, in a, he's in AA. He came home. And he said, I want a piece of cake. And I said, no, 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 that's the al Well, he went and he said, really, really? We had company the day before, and he had gotten beer. See, I'm not uncomfortable not serving. I don't care if I don't serve liquor or beer or whatever the heck it is everybody drinks. But he was. And so my brother-in-law was coming over, my sister, and he got some beer. And when they left, he asked, told me to put it away. He, he didn't want to see it. So when this happened with the cake, he said to me, hmm, where's that beer from yesterday? So I got, out of the, got it out of the cabinet we had lived in a very, by this time we hadn't had moved upstairs until my mother, it was very small, but it was beautiful, it was wonderful, it was a nice little apartment up there, in a, an attic where the other children could sleep. And uh, our living room was, uh, who said, Linda said last night about as big as a, you know, <laughs> about as, as big as his podium, and he went to sit in the living room, and he sat there, put the television on, you could just, he's so tall, you could lean over and put the television on. And he said, I want that beer, and I took it, and I just threw it at him. And I said, don't you blame me. If you drink that beer and he sat there and he I'll never I'll never forget this. Talk about God being in your life. And he clicked the can he pulled the can out and the phone rang in my mother's house and my mother called him. It was a phone call for Bill to go on a twelve step call. This man that called him never got sober. Never got sober. He died drinking, you know, and uh how many people help us along the way, whether it be an Al Anon they don't stay in or an AA And and they leave. I've heard so many times, and it scares me, of uh, people going out after 10, 11, 15 years. You know, that really scares me. That really, I want to stay close. Bill told me when he started in in AA uh, and started doing the steps, which he said he started doing and whatever, and uh, he said to me, AA had to be the first thing in his life. It is still the first thing in his life. Because if he doesn't have AA and he doesn't go to meetings, I don't have Bill. And I like the life we have now. It's a little hectic. I thought we were going to rest more, but it's hectic. If you rest, you die. So uh, it's, just, it's just as well. We're pretty active, you know, back and forth to New York. We love to come to conventions. We love to share our experience, strength, and hope. So anyway, Bill was sober seven months, and... Uh, no, I want to go back to when I went to my first Al-Anon meeting. So she, she took me, they picked me up, and they took me to my first Al-Anon meeting. And it was a wonderful meeting, like this morning. You know, you just feel like you walk in, and you just there was something in that room. I felt something in that room when I walked in. And uh, I didn't say much, but it was there that I learned it was a disease. I didn't, I didn't cause it, I can't control it, and I certainly can't cure it. And that the best thing for me to do was to be an Al-Anon and help myself. Will it get him sober? Will it keep him sober? Well, we're not here to keep him sober. We're here to help you. They kept telling me, we're here for me, here for me. Well, I haven't heard that a lot. Being the youngest of so many children, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Nobody thinks you have anything to say. Uh, I used to be very quiet. I'm not anymore. But... <laughs> but, but um, but it was great, and, and I remember saying, oh, I'll never remember this. I was talking to somebody morning about taking notes, and uh, I said, I'll never remember this. And my sponsor and Lois told me this too. You remember what you're supposed to remember. You don't have to take notes. You want to take notes right then when you get home, but you don't have to write things down. What you remember, you'll remember. I was not a reader. I didn't think I could really read. I felt like I was, I barely got out of high school. Well, although I took Latin and French, so I guess I did all right. I did get passed, I got a a diploma, but I never felt too bright. I really never felt too bright and didn't think I could understand things. And at that time, in 1962, there wasn't too much literature out. Uh, Maybe there were a few pieces. I believe So You Love an Alcoholic was out. I'm not sure, but that might have been out, right? And I can't remember. And then in 1972 was when we got the O.D.A.P. book. That's when that came out, 10 years later, I believe. But there was another book. Uh, I can't remember the names, but I have them, but I don't remember the name. I'm so happy to see Juan here and Bob, really. So happy to hear. And uh, Dick and Patricia and Les, if you're here, and all the other people that I've met at other conventions. It's just so wonderful. Instant friends, instant. We have something that we can share with each other and help each other with, you know, and that gives us a bond that goes beyond everything. It's just wonderful. But anyway, uh, Bill was sober seven months. I love the al meeting, and I went every other week. And um and that was wonderful. After Bill was sober seven months, he got an offer of a job in Nashville, Tennessee. In Nashville, Tennessee. And uh I was excited but I you know, I was a little bit frightened leaving everybody, not knowing anybody down there. But uh his sponsor, my sponsor, Hattie told me to go and check and make sure they have Al-Anon and Alatine and, and not Alatine, Alan. they do have Al, they did have Alatine, very strong at that time. And, um, and a- Al-Anon and AA and go, and we went and we loved it. We really loved it. Um, and that's where I grew up, in Al-Anon, going to those meetings. Um, Bobby Carpenter was my sponsor, and uh, Linda knows a lot of these people I mentioned. And uh, it was wonderful. And I remember... Uh, this man was, uh, this one woman knew that I had so many children, and they didn't really like to take out. You can't bring little ones to an Al-Anon meeting. And so she had a ha- meeting in her house for those of us that had children, and that was nice. I could bring all five of my kids and give them coloring books, and they would be very nice and do that. You know, her husband drank after he was sober 15 years. He thought he could have a glass of wine at dinner. You know, that's very whatever it is, you know, to have a glass of wine, and he never got back. That's so sad, so very sad. But, um, so we lived in, um, uh, Nashville for six years, and then after that, Bill decided that, um, he wanted to do bigger and better things, so we moved to Shaker Heights near Cleveland, Ohio, and we were there one year. That was a bad, bad year for me, also for my children, which they, be- they begin to tell you as they get older, how they feel about, really feel about things, and, uh, And it was tough. My mother died during that year. And uh, I couldn't be with her while she was sick. And um, I didn't have much of Al-Anon. And the reason I didn't have much of Al-Anon is because I went to a couple of meetings and came out so upset at what was being talked about there, the alcoholic. We don't go there to talk about the alcoholic. We go there to help ourselves and make ourselves better. And so I, after I went to a few meetings, I couldn't go anymore. And I said to Bill, I'll come to open AA meetings. Most of the meetings in Ohio are open anyway. So I did that. So I don't feel like there was really a break in my going to meetings um, at all. And after we were there for a year, we, we moved. Bill decided that he wanted to start a business back in New York, and um, so we moved back in New York. To be very honest, at that time, I had no desire to go back because my mother was gone and she was my desire to go back to be with my mama. And um, mama was a great lady. And so we did. We went back to New York and uh, immediately I found an Al-Anon meeting, immediately. And it was a Marinac group in Westchester, New York. This is like sort of upstate, above the Bronx. And um, they were looking for somebody to be chairman, and they and they needed somebody to be chairman, and they asked me if I would do that. At my first meeting there, they knew I was in Nashville. I told them what was going on, and that was truly my salvation. And I only went to one meeting a week. I know they talk to you about going to a lot of meetings. You can go to fifty meetings a week, but if you don't work the program, you ain't going to get it. You know, meetings don't do it. You've got to work the program you got to work the steps. This morning was so good. As a result of these steps, right? As a result of these steps, you have a spiritual awakening, not just because you want to feel good, but as a result of these steps, working them in my life. I feel I had, I remember I went to a, uh, there was a, a open. They asked Bill and I to talk at an AA meeting, and at that meeting, something had happened, and they know I can't remember what it was, but I felt such a calm that I had never felt before. I thought, "This is it. This is it. This is it. I've never felt this way before." So I went to that meeting, and I said, "I have had a spiritual awakening. I have found serenity, and I will never lose it." Well, that was short lived. <laughs> that was very, very short lived, you know. Um, <laughs> But I got very active in Westchester. I really loved it. We lived there for 21 years. We went on to actually we went to go back to Nashville. We had uh, we have three rebels. We have uh, Robert, Walter, and Daniel, three rebels. And then we moved back to New York a year later. We had Angela, and uh, and uh, she she's a joy. She's the best of everybody. She's 37 now, and she's the best of everybody put together. You know, she never got a chance to talk too much while she was little either. But, um, again, they're all strong and healthy, and it's wonderful. And uh, we have uh, some one son in the program. I would love to come to a convention and speak with him someday. He's a wonderful young man. A few of them have tried and have made it and not made it, you know. But, you know, they're still writing their story, and uh, they all have their own higher power. And, um, and now, uh, we, after a while, and uh, we sold a the house there in Rye, and uh, moved different places, and we wound up in uh, South Carolina, which is beautiful. It's very beautiful there. And there were wonderful uh, meetings there, great AA, great Al-Anon. And, uh, but, again, you've got to go to the meetings. got to. I have to be of service. Not we, I have to be of service. I can't tell anybody else what to do because that's what helps me. And if I can't help at a higher level... You know, I'll just work at the meetings. I love just working with the meetings and the new people that come. New people, if any of you are new, you're the lifeblood of Al-Anon. We need the newcomers. Keep coming back. We need you. It helps keep our memory green. It really does. It took me a long time to get to the fourth step because we kept moving. You know, to keep getting sponsors is, is a tough thing. You know, um, finding people, trust, having problem with trust. And... Uh, so I, I really didn't know what I was going to do. So I had Bobby in Nashville. Then I came back to New York and there I was to meet, um, another sponsor that I had Norma and her. I got very close. It was very wonderful being with Norma. She passed away a week after 9-11. That was terrible. And you know what? She did not take care of herself physically. She did not take care of her physical conditions that were happening. In Al-Anon, we are taught to take care of ourselves. You should go to the dentist, the doctor. You should go to the foot doctor if your feet hurt. <laughs> you, should, you know, you should go to uh, whatever. And some of us need extra mental health. I went for some of that too. But what they, <laughs> you know, but what they gave, well, of course, I had all these teenagers at one time. They were all uh, so many. Gee. <laughs> So many, right. And um and so I thought that he could give me help. Well it really bothered me when we were trying to make ends meet and our insurance didn't pay for it and I went and one time he had to meet me at his house and he was building a pool and an extension to his house and I thought, I really don't need this. I'm gonna double up on my Al Anon meetings. And the reason I didn't need it is because they gave me medication. They gave me some medicine. Now some people need it. Some people need it. I'm not telling anybody not to take it, but just You meet somebody for five minutes and they throw you on a medication like Paxil or whatever the hell they give you, you know, those things. And now they're saying Paxil Paxil is dangerous to women who are having babies, you know. I mean, and that scared me. That really scared me. So Bill and I also went for counseling uh, together. Uh, I don't know if we settled anything more there than we ever did by ourselves, but we did go. And um, my children all know that he's in the program and I'm in the program, they grew up with A.A. and Al-Anon. Um, at our home in Rye, which is a pretty good-sized house, it was, it was fun having that house. We got a house in Rye when we moved back to New York, and we had eight children, and everybody was in bunk beds. Now, of course, when you move from the south and you move to New York and you're buying a house, it's like you're going from here to here. So um, then I found out I was pregnant to Angela, and I thought, what am I going to, you know, where am I going to fit this little thing, you know? By this time, we had a dog. So, um, the little cute puppy, somebody from Nashville gave us (laughs) and, um, And so I was looking around for a house, and we found this big old white elephant. It had 23 rooms, and it was great, you know. And it was inexpensive, and it was it was great. This woman lived in it for 150 years, I think. And she had it built another house, and she wanted, you know, she just wanted to get rid of it. So my kids loved that place; they loved it. And I didn't do it so they couldn't play in it. The only rooms they couldn't go in were the living room and the dining room, unless they were doing their homework or entertaining somebody. Nothing could be left on the steps. You know, how do you run a house like that unless you're nothing could be left on the steps. That's, an, that's a good theory because I find now that when I go somewhere where there are steps, I leave things. I leave things on everything anywhere. You give me an extra table, something's on it. You know, I really have to work at that. That's that's good. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I doubled up on my al on meetings is what I did. When, when I stopped seeing the therapist. I, I doubled up on my Al-Anon meetings and um, maybe tripled up on them because then I could. My kids were older, and I could get out more. I didn't have to get babysitter. I could go out at night because the older ones could, could watch them, and I, I love that. We didn't go to any really any conventions. Bill might have, um, while they were younger, and it wasn't mm-hmm. until later that I was able to do this and go to conventions and be there. Um I was very fortunate uh, to meet Lois Wilson in 1975. We moved back to New York, and, uh, and um, somebody invited me to go up to a picnic up at her house, which they still hold on the first. Now they, She had it the first, second Saturday of June. Now, now they hold it the first Saturday of June. Rain or shine, she had that picnic. If you've never been there, what an experience. What an experience. Everything is theirs. Was there everything? And the cradle that you see there was not hers. She liked it and bought it. Lois was not fortunate enough to have children. You know, she was not fortunate enough. She had a hysterectomy after three, three miscarriages. And that made her very sad. But I know she felt I was her child. We were all her child. She loved Al-Anons and AA's. She just loved them. And uh, so I knew her for 14 years. We thought Lois was busy and doing a lot of things, and we found out she spent a lot of holidays alone. So we invited her to be with us on a holiday. We only lived about 20 minutes from her. What a gift that was to share those years and that time with this wonderful lady that started, uh, co founded Al Anon with Ann Bingham. And Annie, Annie uh, Smith, uh, did the same thing in uh, Ohio, you know. I mean, um, as long as she lived, I believe she died in uh, 48, 51. I'm not quite sure, 48. And Dr. Bob died in 1951. So, um, you know, you hear more, you know, about Bill and Lois because they were around, you know. But if you go to Lois's house, she saved everything. My husband thinks that's wonderful that she has all that memorabilia. Any stuff I had, anything I had is stuff, is stuff. But I'm getting it organized. I'm purging. I said this at the last convention. I spoke. who was the other last? I said that the last convention. I'm purging, and I'm getting better, but I am a, you know, I hoard a lot of things. Maybe it's because I always think I'd lose everything, you know, and, and I don't know. I've got to have ten of everything, you know. Am I an alcoholic? I don't know. Am I? Is that what it is? An alcoholic is more, more. But um, anyway, it's a wonderful house, and it's all the stuff she saved, and please go. It's just such a trip. You'd be on such a trip. It would be wonderful to go there. And I haven't been up to um, to um, um, Dorset, Vermont. I haven't been up there yet. I was at her memorial, but I wasn't there. I didn't go there. And um, and I've been to Dr. Bob's, and that's that's an experience while it's... Uh, they had to buy the house back. Isn't it wonderful that the people in Ohio, Indiana and Ohio and Kentucky, you know, the people that are around that area, got together and got that house back. That's great. That's great. A lot of the stuff in it is not, uh, is not uh, original, but doesn't matter. They were there. I was over at the, um, uh, the Cyberling Estate a couple of months ago, and that was, that was beautiful to see. They let you go in now. They actually let you go in. And they sit there and they have tapes and it's wonderful to hear. I mean, a lot of these people are gone. Nell Wing, Nell Wing, who loved Lois and Bill so much and was like their the daughter they didn't have. Uh, we were friends with her. She was a wonderful woman and she passed away last year, I believe. And uh, but so many people, Penny, I forget her last name, but it doesn't matter. But all these wonderful people, you know, that that knew Lois and and um, spent some time with her it was great. Um, she gave us, a, at one Thanksgiving, she gave our children a kitten, and she immediately named it Borchi. Our last name is Borchard and so she, named, had a, she always has to name everything. Everything had to have a name, and she named it Borchi, which was great. I don't know if you've ever, ever read Lois Remembers. That's a wonderful story about Lois. I think she talks more about AA because, truly, she was in AA for years before, before she really uh, co-founded Al-Anon. So that, uh, that identification is there. And I think it's important. It was important for me, and my sponsors always told me, to go to open AA meetings. If you've never been to one and you're a member of Al-Anon, go to open AA meetings. Listen. Listen and learn. Listen and learn. And it was important for me to hear that other people had gone down further than we had gone down. It was important for me to hear that, you know, and that I shouldn't feel sorry for myself. That with the help of Al-Anon, I could become strong again emotionally and spiritually strong, somebody said they asked lois i don't know who it was uh what is the spiritual part of the program It's just the whole program that's it. the whole program is spiritual, and that's true so um anyway i, I do love love Alanon and um I'm really very happy to be I don't have a closing story. I have to get one of those i've got a new joke. I have to get a closing story right uh, <laughs> but I don't have one so um I think I'm going to close now and just say I'm really happy to be here and thank you for listening.